0: Hello and welcome to Academic Animals, new series of podcasts. This is your host and author, Roger Farr. If you're looking for sweet animal stories like in Watership Down or Babe, then you have the wrong podcast. This series is about my life working as an animal trainer in the film industry. Enjoy the experience. I was waiting for a young lady who was coming to see me about a job. She was over three hours late and I'd given up on her coming at all. Then surprisingly, a car appeared at the entrance to the drive. Slowly, as though a beginner driver, she entered the drive and drove up to the house. I was standing there outside in the sunshine. She stopped just inches from my feet. With the window wound down, this stunningly beautiful young lady of about the late 20s, dressed as though she was going to a wedding, I mean, dressed really over the top smart and glamorous. Apart from all the makeup, the first thing that struck me was the manicure. Bright red, extremely long, gelled nails that were so long you wonder how on earth she can hold things or pick things up. This was not what I was expecting at all from a job applicant who is applying for a job, working, cleaning kennels and stables. During the interview, I asked her why she wanted to do this job and did she understand what the job entails? I thought that just maybe she thought it was a position as a receptionist for us or something in the office. She assured me she did understand and although she's never had a dog or a cat or a horse, she just loves animals. I immediately formed the opinion that she seemed to think that just loving animals was all the qualifications we required. I tried desperately to explain to her the downside of the work. You'll spend hours every day picking up shit of one kind or another then perhaps the feeling of love might wane somewhat. Then I pointed out that her nails may suffer and might be difficult to work with. I explained that not all faeces is small like a chihuahua's or easily picked up even with the right equipment. When working with elephants, we need a wheelbarrow to transport the enormous lumps they can produce to a container many times during the day. Some shit can come from above, for example, when working with birds. When they fly around you in the aviary they will often drop their waste on you and it will land in your hair and it can really be difficult to get out. When cleaning out bird accommodation, albeit an aviary, a chicken shed or a penguin enclosure, their shit dries like cement and will take a lot of hard work to clean up. I think it really important and necessary to point out to any newbie just what to expect. I don't want anyone under any illusion that working with animals is all about having fun and playing around all day. Believe me some people really do think that is the case. It can be fun of course but essentially it's very hard and dirty work with really long hours. When I go on a job I normally have an assistant and they have to know how important it is for the animals to be kept clean. The cages, the equipment, everything, even what they are wearing. If a cow for example is taken into a studio they have to be shampooed before leaving the farm. Their hooves washed and oiled, maybe a little hair trim. If they have horns, these two will be washed and polished, so they look absolutely pristine when they walk into the set. Sometimes this isn't possible, especially if they've travelled with other cows, and one does it in the trailer, and others have laid down in it, and then they rub against one another, you can have an absolute catastrophic mess. Then we have to arrange for provisions to clean them all up on site. This takes a lot of time and sweat. Normally I would have several changes of clothes and a full set of farm overalls and a pair of wellies for when the hose comes out, plus a good pair of steel toe capped boots. When doing a straightforward photo shoot I always appoint an assistant as shit catcher. The reason for this is simple. When walking in fields or farmland most people know what a cow pat looks like. For those who don't know it is in essence pure cow shit. It's soft and creamy and not very pleasant if you get it on your shoes, your boots and the smell is extremely strong and it lingers. If a cow decides to do this in a studio, when the shit hits the floor it is just like diarrhea and it splashes across the entire studio causing an enormous and unpleasant mess. The shit catcher's job is to make sure this never happens. A plastic bucket is used and a handful of straw put loosely in the bottom. The straw prevents it splashing up in your face when it lands in the bucket. The shit catcher has to keep the bucket next to him or her the whole time the cow is in the studio. It must be no further than arm's length away, not even for a second. To help, everyone would be asked to keep an eye on the cow's tail. If the base of the tail starts to lift, then anyone seeing it would call out to the catcher, who will now have a second or two at the most to grab the bucket and push it under the cow's bottom and catch what comes out. To give incentive to the catcher with the bucket, there is a penalty. I personally find the elected person a round of drinks in the bar if they fail to catch it, and of course he or she also has to clean up the mess themselves while the rest of us go off for a coffee. When I say it splashes and I say it gets everywhere, I literally mean it. Not just on the floor but up the walls, over the expensive camera equipment, on computers, even the coffee machine and snacks laid out on the catering table, or people's clothes. There are no limits. So you see, the shit catcher's job is extremely important. During a news documentary shot in Antwerp, the Minister of Agriculture was doing a short speech. I didn't understand a word of what he was saying because it was all in Flemish. They wanted a cow in the background or beside this politician as he was speaking. The cow gave indication that he wanted to poo. His tail started to lift. The catcher did his job fast, and what seemed, efficiently. But when the cow decided to simply walk away with his tail swishing back and forth. No problem, I thought. But as he did it, the tail dipped in the bucket and touching the steaming fresh shit. Now as the cow passed the politician who was sitting on a stool with his tail swishing, the end of the tail became just like a paintbrush and swished across the politician's face and neck at least two or three times before I could intervene. The makeup lady proceeded to clean up his face while the wardrobe department sent out for a new, fresh shirt to be purchased somewhere nearby. Meanwhile, I shampooed the end of the cow's towel and blow-dried it so to prevent any further damage. We had to clean up the studio while we waited so the politician was ready for a second attempt. All went well once we had everything cleaned up. Considering this was just a simple splash of cow shit, imagine what a truckload would do. This time again working with cows. I was on a feature film in Holland with two cows. We had two vehicles, each with its own trailer, Steve driving one and me following with the second. These were standard size horse trailers designed for two horses, but we had cows separated because they came from different farms, I remember. My trailer was a really old fashioned heavy iron framed one. Steve's was a modern, lightweight, latest, high-tech version, all shiny and new. We were parked up overnight at a hotel near to the filming location. It was 4.30 in the morning when I came down from my room and met up with Steve. We checked the cows were okay in the trailers. There was quite a lot of excrement inside the trailer because the cows had been there all night. The plan was when we arrive at the location in about 10 minutes time we would take the cows out and clean out the trailers thoroughly then replaced with fresh straw. The cows would be outside most of the day in a temporary holding pen at the location. Steve drove out of the car park and I followed him. The roads were deserted. We were the only two vehicles on the road. At the top of the road there was a T-junction with traffic lights. Steve drove through the lights turning left but I couldn't follow and got stuck on the red. I waited what seemed a very long time but eventually the green appeared and I set off. As I turned left I saw a large dark vehicle pass across behind me and I thought crikey that was close and I didn't even hear him coming. It was then I realised it was my trailer going past me and the cow still inside. I had turned left but the trailer had broken free and continued on straight. The cow had obviously moved to the back of the trailer tipping it and the coupling had given way to his excessive weight all being in the very back of the vehicle. Now the trailer was careering on with the nose up in the air as it crossed the junction hitting and bouncing over the curb and down a very steep embankment and out of my sight. Horrified, I leapt from the car and ran to the top of the embankment expecting to find casualties and wreckage. It was a very large petrol station and around the perimeter were dozens of cars parked up in a typical parking lot fashion. My trailer was sitting on top of a white taxi. It was as if a crane had lowered the trailer cleanly and placed it perfectly on top of this taxi without touching any other vehicle. I panicked and scanned the scene for anyone who may have been injured. Nothing, no one injured, no other damage. The area was still completely deserted. I now surveyed the trailer sitting on top of the taxi. How on earth are we gonna get the trailer down? At this point, the taxi was hardly recognizable. You couldn't see what make of car it was. And what about the poor cow? I struggled to climb up and look inside expecting to find an injured cow. She was quietly standing there with no apparent injuries at all and no concerns. My first task now was to get the cow out. I dropped down the ramp at the back. It came down over the boot of the car but because it had landed so close to the steep embankment the ground came up to the ramp. A very convenient coincidence I thought. By this time, Steve had found his way around to the petrol station forecourt and we loaded my cow into his trailer with the other cow. We agreed he should go ahead with the cows to get them to the film set and I would stay behind and sort things out. I went over to the garage kiosk to try and find the owner of the taxi but nobody knew who it belonged to. So I wrote a note. Can you imagine? You're parked up somewhere and when you come back to your vehicle expecting to go to work only to find it totally crushed and almost unrecognisable? The biggest insult to all was that the shit and now the addition of the cow's urine had diluted the shit, making it even more liquid than normal. It was pouring out of every orifice of the trailer and running down and through all where the windows were on this taxi. It ran into the front window and into all the ducting and the heating vents. All over the seats, the shit seemed to be everywhere. Like a volcano, it just kept on streaming down and covering this poor guy's taxi. So much so, I found it hard to find a space to put the note on. With no injuries to the animal or people, I began to relax and see the funny side of all this. There was shit everywhere. The recovery people complained of the shit. The garage complained and asked me to pay for the clean-up of their forecourt. All this, and the day had not even started. Smelling heavily of Yves Saint Laurent, I arrived at the film set in another taxi just in time for breakfast. The actual day of filming was uneventful, just another day in the office. Three days later I received a call from the owner, from the taxi driver. He was very understanding and everything was going to be done on the insurance. He was certain he would get a new taxi. And so was I. But the real stroke of luck was, that normally he parks there most nights and normally takes a short break or even a couple of hours sleep to be ready for the early morning rush hour. On this occasion, he'd parked up for a few nights because he had had the flu and decided to stay at home. That's what I call shit lucky. On another occasion, Helen was helping me out on a night shoot in Antwerp. This time it was with peacocks we were working with. We had a pair that had just to be in a courtyard and when the sun came up they would simply wander around, no other action required. Now transporting any animal can be tricky but large birds can decide to flap about sometimes. It was planned that we carry one bird each from the car to the set. It was Helen's keenness to impress and her enthusiastic approach that spooked her peacock. As she tried to lift it out of the car it started to flap about a little. She had failed to get a clean pick up and a good hold. I could not help her because my hands were already full with my peacock. Eventually she managed to get a comfortable hold and was able to carry the bird okay. But then as we walked together, each with a bird under our arms, I realised she had a problem when she tried to talk to me. Just like a bad ventriloquist, she said something like, (coughs) I said what? She said, (coughs) I looked at her puzzled. She stopped and then spat on the ground two or three times, clearing her mouth. She then angrily and very clearly said, Look at me, I'm covered in it! When he was flapping in the car, it was going everywhere. I'm covered in it, and I've got a mouthful of peacock shit. I tried so hard not to laugh, and I still laugh about it today. The production assistant tried to find us some water to get washed down and maybe a drink, but there was nothing open or around so early in the morning. She asked all the girls on set to give us a spray of their perfume. We had a real cocktail of different perfumes. I'm not sure what's worse, a cocktail of perfumes or peacock shit. And somehow I couldn't imagine the glamorous young lady who came for the job interview, loving animals quite so much if this had happened to her. Oh, and by the way, she didn't get the job. Here is today's animal joke. Today's joke was sent in by Professor Ian MacDonald, who lives on the south coast of England, a town called Brighton. A blacksmith dies of old age and leaves his dog in his will to his nephew. The nephew had never had a dog before and so was very surprised to see the first thing that happened when he returned home with the dog for the first time. He took the dog off its lead and the dog immediately made a bolt for the door. Now that's what I call a clever dog, don't you think? Don't forget to send me your favourite animal-related joke and hopefully it can be part of a future podcast. It can be old or new, you can steal it or borrow it, or you can make it up on your own, but please send it, I would love to hear it. I will send a special thank you present to the person whose joke is selected for use. If two or more jokes sent are the same, then unfortunately it will be the first person's joke to arrive that will get the present. Good luck. Thanks for joining me here today. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed today's little ditty. Why not visit the website and see for yourself some of the commercials, the photographs and the film clips of our work. The website is www.academic-animals.com. Can I ask you to subscribe and press the like button? It's really appreciated. Thanks very much. Now it's official. You're my new best friend. Lots of love. Roger and out.